The following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. church in the house this morning, isn't it? Um, it's, uh, well, if you don't know me, uh, my name is Josh. Um, I come here to PCC with my, oh, uh, I, I come here to PCC with my, uh, my mom and my dad um, and, and my mom's good friend, Alina. Uh, and we've been coming here for about seven or so years. And uh, it's also my honor and privilege to lead, um, to lead youth um, here at PCC. Big shout out to our young people here. Uh, along with uh, the wonderful uh, Vera, Anish, and, and Nasaru. Uh, and this morning, uh, I'll be sharing the word with you this morning. So if you have your Bibles, uh, would you open with me to Romans chapter 12? Uh, Romans chapter 12. And if you're just uh, tuning in online or joining us this morning, you're joining us at a time when we're going through a series on serving. Um, our series is called A Healthy Serving. A Healthy Serving. It's about how we can serve out of the right attitudes, our right identity, and for the right reasons, uh, in a way that's sustainable, and in a way that honors and glorifies our Lord. And we, over the past three weeks, we've been looking at some wrong reasons why we might serve. We might serve out of a, a wrong conception of our relationship with God, we might serve out of a wrong, relation, uh, wrong conception of our relationship with others. And last week, we looked at uh, our identity that we, we have in Christ and why we should serve um, out of that identity. So this morning, we're going to be asking the question about why should I serve? Why should I serve? Why not someone else? Why, why me? Like, why should I even bother? What is the point? What's the point? So... If you have your Bibles, Romans chapter 12, we'll be reading from verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Uh, why don't you pray with me as we get into God's word this morning. But Father God, we thank you for your word we thank you that, that your word is living and active, that your word proclaims truth and penetrates the depths of our heart. Fathers, we open your word this morning and we examine what it has to say about why we ought to serve our Savior. Would you, would you just kindle in our heart a fire and a passion that understands how much you love us, that understands what grace we have received, 
and that wants to willingly serve you uh, based on what your word has said. Would you use me in all my weakness and in all my brokenness? Would you fill me with, with your word and give me the words to speak so that what your people hear may be what you have to say to them? And we pray all this for the glory of your son. Amen. Amen. Oh God, oh God, I have no skills. I have no skills. What can I do in church? I'm terrified of speaking up front. I can't sing or play a musical instrument. I can't bake. I can't, I can't do very much, God. Why should I serve? Oh God, if people only knew what I was really like outside church, if they knew the, the, the riches of the depths of my vocabulary as I go down Parramatta Road, they wouldn't want me welcoming people with a big smile up front on Sunday. Oh God, if only they knew what I was really like, how I was a broken, small person and on Sundays and Fridays and, and other days in between when I happened to run, run into church people on the train, I put on this big smile. Oh God, if only they knew what I was like, they wouldn't want me to serve. Why should I serve? Oh God, I'm going through such a tough time right now. It's hard enough to get out of bed, let alone get myself to church. Let alone put myself on a roster let alone come to church and encourage people. God, that's just not what I feel like in this season and this time. I don't have the strength to do that. Look at other people. Life is going so well for them. Why can't they serve instead of me? God, why should I serve? Oh God, I've been serving for many years in this ministry. I believe I've been faithful and I've and I've just given my all week after week after week. But yet it doesn't seem to make a difference. It doesn't. And people just don't seem to want to come. They don't want to seem to come to Connect Group or the events that we organize. They don't even, they don't even reply yes or no on Facebook. And I don't see the fruit of, of what's happening. And God, I know that it's supposed to be enough. I know my identity is in you and I know it's supposed to be enough that you see it and you're glorified and you're honored. But God, it just doesn't seem to make a difference. Why should I serve? I don't even get a, a sausage silver trophy. <laughs> no one seems to care. No one seems to, to understand how much I've sown in. And God, I know you're glorified, but God, why? This doesn't seem to make sense. Why should I serve. Now, these might be questions that sound rather familiar to you. Maybe questions that you've asked even while you're here this morning, or even as you, you've gone about the months and the years of faithfully trying to be obedient to God's calling in your life. And we come back again to this question, why should I serve? But this morning, as we come around God's word, I want to encourage you with a few reasons why I think we should continue serving, even as we ask these questions, why each and every one of us should continue serving. So first of all, um, you are gifted. You are gifted. If we, we go back to, to Romans chapter 12, verse 6, it says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. And there's a couple of other verses 
um, that make this a little bit clearer. Uh, if we could go to the next slide, please. Uh, 1 Peter 4.10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very varied grace. There's no room for anyone to miss out. Each and every one of us is gifted. 1 Corinthians 12, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Each one of them, each and every one of us is gifted. Now, sometimes we might not see how we're gifted. We might be sitting here this morning thinking, well, all the things that we read in Romans 12, I don't feel like I fit into many of those categories, if any of them at all. But God's word says time and time again that we are gifted, even if we don't know it even if we don't know it. And we're to use our gifts to build up his church. We might think that our gifts are not church gifts, as we, as we, we talked about a bit earlier. Maybe we, we're, we're not up front. Maybe we don't fit into any of these buckets. Maybe we're just an introvert that just doesn't want to talk to anyone at church. But even in those, even if, even if that's us, we are still gifted. Why? Well, in the start of Romans 12, we read, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. That's not just our, our church selves. That's not just what our bodies may or may not be able to do on a Sunday or on a Friday or whatever ministry, but our whole lives. Our whole lives. The Lord wants us to to use our whole bodies as a gift to be, um, to be unpacked and to bless his people. So whether that's, that's in church or not, whether that's something that we deem to be spiritual or not, our whole bodies are to be living sacrifices for his service. Whether that's work around, that's, whether that's housework or whether that's um, just doing the chores that we need to, 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 to just get by and be an adult in this life. Each and every one of those is service to the Lord. So we've spent a lot of time in church thinking about how we're gifted and that we may or may not have certain gifts. But sometimes as we use that word, we forget the meaning of the word gift. And with Christmas coming around, gift is something that, you know, we, we, we think about that we, we'd like to enjoy. That's something that, you know, we, we're, we're gonna, we can relax and enjoy. So um, if we could get the next slide up, please. So we think of gifts a little bit like this. It's a, a nice holiday to some island resort with, a, you know, beautiful, pristine waters and you can just relax on the beach. Not very much to do. No stress. Like, you know, the blood pressure levels come down and... That's what a gift looks like to us. But the gifts that God talks about and and God's word talks about in Romans 12 look something more like like this next slide up here. (laughs) It's more like a vacuum cleaner. And yes, you're like, wow, such a nice gift. But you know, it's going to make you work hard, sweat hard, pant. and, and, And to be honest, you'd rather be doing something else than using it. And so, you know, you try and fit, you, you do everything else. And, and, you know, if you have time and if you have energy to spare, maybe you get to use your gift once a fortnight or once a month. But yet, God says these are gifts. And if we don't find joy in our gifting, and if we don't find joy in serving, then maybe the issue isn't that 
the things that we have are not gifts. Maybe the issue is that the way we measure our joy and what we count as joy needs to be, um, we need to reconsider that. So it leads us to our second point, which is serving brings joy. Why should I serve? We're gifted. Why should I serve? Serving brings joy. Serving brings joy. And, uh, you know, on this next slide here, um, you can see sometimes serving feels a lot like this. It's like, yes, I have this gift. And Romans 12, 6 says, let us use them. So I'm going to use them. And then, and then I end up like this. It's sour. It's hard. It stresses you out. And you're like, God, why am I, why am I doing this? But even as we come to that place, we're reminded that serving brings joy. Serving brings joy. And it brings joy in, I'm going to bring out three ways that serving brings joy. So, um, first of all, serving makes us more like Jesus. Serving makes us more like Jesus. Going back to Romans 12 verse 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And then we get to that bit from Romans 3, uh, sorry, Romans 12 verse 3, which explains talking about our gifts and how we use our gifts to serve each other. It explains what it looks like to have our minds transformed, what it looks like to live with renewed minds for Jesus. And what does that look like? It looks like using our gifts to serve our Lord using our gifts to, to build up the church. And as we do that, we become more like Jesus. Why? Well, remember in John 13 that Jesus knelt down to wash his disciples' feet. He draped himself in a towel and washed their feet. And so as we drape ourselves in towels or, or aprons or, or whatever it is that we need to do to serve in whatever way we're called, we too are becoming more like Jesus. Serving makes us more like Jesus because we become more dependent on Him. We become more humble. How many of you in your serving, and, and especially with COVID over the last couple of years, things go belly up real quick. You have volunteers that bail. You have, um, you know, you might be running a group and just so many people just don't show up at the very last minute and everything you had planned just doesn't work anymore. I know I've been there. I've been there in, in the car on Friday night at about 6 o'clock, about to come to youth, and you just get a flurry of text messages because people are not well, unable to make it, um, and, and for logistical reasons, maybe even whoever was going to lead is, just doesn't work anymore. And so I get in the car, and I start the engine, and all I can say is, oh, Lord, help me. <laughs> Lord, help me. And I think for, for most of us here who've, perhaps been Christians and been serving the Lord for some time. We've been there. We've been there time and time again. But what does that do? It makes us more dependent on Him. It makes us realize that as, we come to, as I come to the end of that Friday night and see our youth just encounter Jesus, even though we had basically nothing planned, even though everything was different, even the group was small, none of that mattered to the Lord. The Lord was working powerfully. The Lord was able to use our weakness and make it a and make and display His strength in that. He makes us more dependent on us. He challenges the the assumption that maybe we, we've done this long enough that we can do this on our own. 
and he brings us back time and time again to our knees and says, for us to just cry, Lord, help me. So just like Jesus did time and time again in his earthly ministry, he also calls us to our knees to pray, to spend time with the Father, to depend on him. Because without him, we can do nothing. We can do nothing. Serving makes us more like Jesus because it, it transforms us as people. We change. We go from that person with diverse tongues on Parramatta Road to that person who can gently encourage people in their time of need. You know, if you think about the disciples, the very first people that Jesus chose when he was on earth, he picked 12 and he picked a, a ragtag band of people who were just messed up in so many different ways. People who had no faith, people who were, who were sinful and considered the, the, the most sinful in their day, the tax collectors, people who bickered about who was the greatest. Oh, is it you? Is it me? Oh, I'm greater than you. No, Jesus, make sure I'm sitting next to you at your right hand. He picked this set of people to serve, to follow him, to sow into. And as they did, as they walked alongside Jesus through his earthly ministry, we, we don't get just the feeble Peter who can barely keep, keep his head above the water. We don't get those disciples who just were so concerned about themselves and what, what they could get out. But we get the, the, the disciples full of faith full of power that we see in the book of Acts, that we're going out to take ground for the kingdom. We see the disciples who, who, who could barely utter a word and barely uh, would shy away from acknowledging that they were with Jesus. And we get them who preach with all power by the Holy Spirit and thousands come to Christ. Serving transforms us and makes us more like Jesus. So serving is, it, so what is this for us? Serving is an invitation. It's an invitation. Not to people who have it all together. Not to people who are perfect. Who, who, who love the Lord with all their heart and all their soul and all their mind and all their strength. And, and never sin and never mess up and have no brokenness. No. Serving is an invitation to broken, sinful people. It's an invitation to joy for those people like you and like me. But as we partner with God, we become transformed and we become more like Jesus. Serving brings us joy by making us more like Jesus. Secondly, serving makes us united in Jesus. And by this I mean united as a body in Jesus. Again, Romans 12 says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. And the NIV says that we actually belong to each other as, as members of the body of Christ. What, so what does it look like to, to be this body? What does it practically look like to be united in this body? Again, we go back to John 13, which says, and Jesus is speaking to the disciples, and remember, he's just washed their feet, and he says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my, my, sorry, I'll start that again. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. What does it look like? It means to love one another. And what, is, what does loving one another mean? It means that we have to serve 
but we also have to have the humility to be served. Now, I'll start with the more confronting one. Let's have the, the humility to be served. Now, many of us come from diverse and ethnic backgrounds where being served is like a strain on the system. We don't want to be served because, oh, well, I don't want to trouble you. It's going to be embarrassing. I'm going to have to feel like I'll pay you back later on. Or, or even if we have this Christian mindset, we say, well, if the body is meant to serve one another, then if I allow myself to be served, I'm going to... I'm just going to burden other people and, and there's other people out there who need it more than me and I'm going to be strained. I'm going to strain the system. And No, 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 no. That's not what Jesus says. He says if we're to love one another, we have to be able to receive love from one another as well. When, so when we, when we do things like that, we, we zoom in and we look at ourselves and we see, well, all the people that I know, all the people that I'm close to, they're just going to be more burdened. But when we zoom out, Jesus invites us to look at the big picture, that as we allow ourselves to be served, as perhaps you, you know, you're going through a tough time and, and you just don't have time to make the meals for the family, and as you allow yourself to be served by the church, by the body of Christ, as you zoom out, you see a body that loves one another. You see Christ's people who, who display His love for the church. Or to put it another way, if we don't allow ourselves to, to be served, if we don't allow ourselves to be loved, then, oh, we've jumped to it. Uh, yeah, if we don't allow ourselves to be loved, then all people won't know that we're Jesus' disciples. They won't know because we won't be able to practically display that love for one another. So serving makes us united in Jesus as, we're, as we allow people to serve us too. And even in our weakness, that's a gift too. That's a gift for the body of Christ because we, we get to display this. But loving others, loving one another, also means that we too have to love others. We too have to serve others. And in doing so, we become, we strengthen the body. We become more united as a body in Christ. Think about how Jesus fed the 5,000. Picture the scene. You've got 5,000 men and, and on top of that, women and children. And they've been here to see, to see Jesus, to listen to Jesus, to, to just feed on his word. And they're hungry. And, and, and the disciples say, Lord, you know, like, how do we feed these people, what are we going to do? Do we send them away? What do we do? And so they find these, these loaves and these fishes and they bring them to the Lord. And what does he do? He breaks them and he gives them and he hands them out to who? He doesn't hand them out just to the people. He hands them out to his disciples. Now, why do you think that is? Why wouldn't he just say, oh, okay, come to me, form one big line and, and I'll give you the bread and the fish. Or go collect your wristbands, red over here, green over here, and then... But he hands them out to his disciples, and the disciples hand them out to the people. Now, what do you think that did in the hearts of the disciples? What do you think that did? Just imagine if you were Peter, James, or John, you're, you're going, you're ferrying bread. And as you, as you come back again and again, each lap, you're just seeing more and more bread come out of the hands of your, of your Lord. You're just seeing the miracle happen in progress. 
you're seeing the wonder of God's providence. You're just like, wow, doesn't that build up your faith? And as you, you bring your, your, the bread and the fish, or, or maybe you've made it into a tuna sandwich by the time you get up there. As you bring that to the people and you see just the smile on their faces, you see the smile on the kids' faces and they're like, I thought we had no food, but here we have food. How is this? And, and, and just the joy as you tell them that this Jesus over there, he's the one that's doing the miracle. As you point back to Jesus, he's the one. What joy. What joy. And, and as you, 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 you talk to them and, you, and, and maybe you're, you're just looking at them and you're doing life with them, that, that would just be a picture that just doesn't go away. Just doesn't go away. And just the same, as you serve, perhaps in church, perhaps in some other capacity outside of church, as we go, as we rely on Jesus, as we become more like Jesus, and we serve people, and we see the joy that brings them, you see them encouraged in their hardship, you see their faith being built up, you see them grow and mature and and disciple even others, doesn't that just bring you joy? Doesn't that just fill your heart with gladness and joy at your Savior? And doesn't that make you just closer to people as well? You know, sometimes when we're at morning tea and we, we have a conversation, we have the chance to encourage one another, right? We have the chance to just find out a little bit more about each other's lives and the chance to just pray into each other's life. There's been times when I've been out there and people have just prayed for me. And even if I didn't know them very well and they took the brave step of praying for me, all of a sudden we have that connection. All of a sudden, we, we see each other on Sundays and it's not just hi and bye or hey brother and hi sister. It's, no, we have that connection. You care about me. You're invested in, in my you know, physical, emotional and spiritual well-being. We become closer and closer like a body, like real brothers and sisters in Christ. Serving makes us united in Jesus. So the invitation here is that we can, we can join in and be a part of what God does. God doesn't need us, just like he didn't need the disciples to hand out bread to, to the people. He doesn't need us. He can do everything in his own power, in his own strength. But he invites us to be a part of that. He invites us to, to join in the wonders and, and, and whatever he's doing in the world and experience the joy as we hand out and as we, as we hand out to his people, as we be his hands and his feet, and we see the joy of what he's doing in their lives. Serving brings us joy because it makes us more united in Jesus. And third one, serving brings us joy because our serving is eternally significant in Jesus. And in short, that just means that whatever we serve, however we serve Jesus, it's going to matter for all eternity. It's going to have infinite value in all eternity. First Thessalonians says this, and this is Paul writing to Thessalonians, and he says, For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and our joy. As Hillary mentioned this morning, as he just faithfully spoke a word over us. He read from Daniel where 10,000 by 10,000 are standing by the throne before 
our Lord Jesus. And on that day, we will see, we will see how every small little bit of serving resulted in praise and glory to Jesus. We will see people who, who came to know Jesus just by the small little acts of service or acts of service that we think are little, how that resulted in them becoming mature and become, becoming the, in them knowing Jesus. Decades ago, um, there were two girls in a playground and they were about 13, 14, year seven or eight, not much older than our youngest youth here. And one girl knew Jesus and the other one didn't. Now one girl, and now this girl who knew Jesus, she was so insistent and so adamant in, in sharing Jesus to, to her friend. And her friend didn't want anything to do with it. Her friend came up with every excuse in the book, but the friend keeps on persisting and persisting and asking her, her, her friend who didn't know Jesus to come to scripture with her. And eventually as these excuses dried out, the girl relented and she went to scripture. Now at scripture, a, a scripture teacher who faithfully played guitar and faithfully shared the word of the Lord just excited this young girl's heart for, for Jesus, just wanted her, piqued her interest. She wanted to know more and more about Jesus. And, uh, and so um, she then decided to, she'd go along to this girl's youth group at church. And so someone came along and, and volunteered to, to pick up this girl and her friend and, and take them along to youth group. And at youth group, she heard more and more about Jesus. At the same time, this girl's brother had also had a similar sort of experience and was also becoming interested in Jesus. Now, this girl and her brother, they would come to know the Lord and come to faithfully serve the Lord. And not just them, but their family, who was Buddhist and Taoist primarily, would come to, to know Jesus. Their, their, their older sister and, and their younger brothers would also come to know Jesus. Do you see the ripple effect of what's happening here? And not only that, but their parents would come to know Jesus. And, and, and them and their siblings and their children would also know Jesus. And even their children's children would know and serve the Lord. Now just imagine for a second that you're that person who just volunteered to drive that girl to school. Uh, not sorry, not to school, to youth. You're that person who just volunteered to just drive them, drive faithfully to pick up this girl and go to youth. You would never know what impact perhaps that you had on their family. You would never know. But on the day when Jesus returns and you enter into his glory and he says, well done, good and faithful servant, you'll see the ripple effect. You'll see the impact on the family and the generations and the generation. Now, this is probably the kind of story that you hear a lot, and it's maybe a little bit cliched, but this one is close to my heart. It's close to my heart because um, this friend who didn't know Jesus, this girl, she would, many years later, be persistently following up with a friend that she met who worked in the same building as her. She would be persistently following up and just telling her about, how, about what Jesus has done in her life. She would keep on telling her, but, but this, this work colleague would, never, would not be interested in Jesus at all. Until years later, after they hadn't spoke, this colleague remembered what this girl had said, what this woman had said. This, this colleague remembered and said, I want to come to church with you. 
and this colleague came to church and gave her life to Jesus. Now, this colleague comes to our church. And this woman who was, so, who was persistently and, and faithfully sharing the gospel with her colleague, well, her son is speaking to, to you this morning. And I believe that just from the, the faithful acts of what someone who drove someone to youth, a girl who just so was insistent to ask their friend to come to scripture, a, a scripture teacher who just so faithfully shared the word, the youth leaders who faithfully served into these people, well, no matter what their background was. And all the chains along the way, through that, so many people have come to know Christ. So many people have had their eternal futures changed. What we do, no matter how small or big we think it is, has eternal significance and eternal impact. And on that day, we know that for whatever we've done, whatever we've done, we'll see a, a section of the crowd in heaven worshiping Jesus who have been matured and built up because of how we've served. And so what do we do with this? We can have a big vision. We can have a big vision as we serve. We can have a big vision as we pray. No matter what we do, we can, we can trust God that whatever little we put in his hands, he's going to multiply it for his kingdom. He's going to bring in souls for his kingdom. Whether we're mowing the lawns outside at church, we can be praying that whoever comes and sits on the McCarroll is going to hear Jesus. It's going to know Jesus. If we, if we put out flyers on the seats here, we can pray that whoever's going to receive those flyers might come and hear Jesus, uh, Jesus um, taught. When we serve in kids and we serve in youth, we can be praying that whoever we're sowing into could be the, the next person who takes the gospel to the nations. And if we serve at home, if, if you're a youth and you have to look after your siblings so your parents can go to connect group, you can do that and pray and knowing that as your parents go, that you're freeing them up to encourage someone, to bless someone, to build up again generations and nations for Christ. Now this can too easily have become a burden in our serving because we feel like if we're not hiring a huge hundred-seater bus and driving around all of Paramount and picking up people, someone's going to miss out on Jesus. Well, that's not the case. Our God is far too big and far too strong and far too mighty for his plans to be derailed. So this is not a burden for us to carry. This is an invitation for us to come and to faithfully serve. And as we do that, to know that whatever, however small or however large, he will multiply it for his kingdom. Now, I've said that Serving brings joy because it makes us more like Jesus. Serving brings joy because it makes us united in Jesus. And serving brings joy because our serving is eternally significant in Jesus. But maybe you're hearing this this morning and it doesn't sound very joyful to you. It sounds more like the lemon guy. But I believe that if you've met Jesus, if you'd encountered him, if you know how deep and dead in our sin that we were, and yet he came as the son of God to live and dwell among us and to serve us, the king of kings and lord of lords serving us and to die on that cross and to bear our sin and our shame. And he didn't stay dead, but he rose and his spirit lives in us to empower us to serve and live for him. 
if you've encountered this Jesus, your heart will burn with passion. Your heart will be excited at the prospect of thousands coming to know Jesus just because we decided to, to trim the edges on the lawn or to, to bake another cake. Your heart's excited at the prospect of our church as a part of the larger body of Christ becoming more dependent on each other, becoming more united with each other and displaying the love of Christ. Your heart longs to just be more and more like Jesus, knowing that as we become more like Him, we will become more and more full of joy. So finally, church, we serve because we've been served. If the band could jump up. We serve because we've been served. We serve because we know that Jesus has come to serve us first. And out of his love for us, we can so have love for one another. So as the band come up, as we have done in this series, I'm just going to read to you from a passage. And I just want you to close your eyes where you are and think, reflect. Does your serving bring you joy? Does your serving have a great vision of what God might do? Does the way we pray about as we serve, does that reflect how powerful our God is and what He can do? And church, if, that's, if, if you're hearing that this morning and you don't feel like that's you, that's okay. That's okay. The Lord knows. But he invites us this morning to serve with him, to serve with the power that he provides, to serve in a way that will be so meaningful in so many different ways for ourselves, for one another, and for all eternity. Philippians 2 says, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Church, will we serve? Will we take up his invitation to serve like Jesus served for us? We serve knowing that as we trust him in our service, he will use it powerfully for his kingdom. Church, why don't we stand and we sing? Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.